10. Rejoice and be glad, the Redeemer hath come. Go look on his cradle, his cross, and his tomb. Sound his praises, tell the story of him who was slain. Sound his praises, tell with gladness he liveth again. Let's stand to our feet as we sing. Let's worship the Lord.
about the music. Reading together the Psalm 138, just eight verses in this psalm. May the Lord speak to us before we pray in his word. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength of my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Let's turn aside in prayer. Seek the Lord. Seek him earnestly. (coughs) You just pray now that the Lord will come in one of our number and that we will have a meeting with him. Anything that would hinder that happen, happening, pray that the Lord will take it away. And pray that the Lord will give us a mind that is set upon the Lord today, a real conscious sense that he's here with us. We're not here just to while away the hour. We're not here out of ritual. We're here to meet with God. Lord, may that be so as we come to your presence now in Jesus' name. As we come pleading the, the value, virtue, and victory of the redeeming blood to stand by faith upon redemption ground, the only ground of acceptance and peace with God. We rejoice in the Redeemer. We are glad, as the hymn has suggested to us already, And when we think of these verses, as we've sung them together one by one, Lord, we've sung them with meaning, we trust with some emphasis, and with a desire to know something of what we're singing today, in truth in our hearts. Oh, Lord, burn 
the truth of your word into every soul here as we gather in this place of worship. Principally, our desire is to meet with God, want to meet with thee in the word. We thank thee that it's divine truth that we read when we come to this book. We praise thee that every word of God is pure, and all scripture has been given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We thank you that thy word is a light unto our path. And Lord, we need that illumination every day as we live in a dark world. We look out around about us, and Lord, we see nothing but spiritual darkness. And so we need your light to shine the way, to hear a voice from heaven that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And we will find that way in the holy word of God. Thou wilt direct our paths, we know. We pray that you will speak to us in prayer. As we draw near to thee, give us desires of heart. Give us a longing after God, a thirst in the soul. Scripture speaks about that kind of yearning after the Lord. And we wanted to be here in this worship service among the people of God. We're, we're reaching out to the Lord today. And we're praying that he will come and abide with us and, and speak to our hearts. We want to meet with thee in the message that will be preached. And Lord, when we come to that part, when we sit around your word and seek to sink upon these things that will be brought to our attention today, speak to our hearts, speak to my heart even as I preach. Oh, we pray that the truth of your word will be inscribed upon every waiting soul that is in this church building today. And Lord, meet with us around the table as truly as you sat with the men on the night before the cross and you gathered them around that table and you broke the bread and you gave the bread to them and you gave the cup to them and you called them to remember your death in this way. Father, we know that here at the Lord's table as we come to that part, the Lord in a very special, powerful way wants to meet with his people. We're calling to mind the cross. We're calling, Lord, to mind the great work of redemption very heart of the gospel, that which has bought eternal salvation for us, that which is giving us the guarantee of heaven. And so, Lord, it is a precious time. Make it very sweet and precious today as your people gather to remember Christ. Meet with us tonight. We know that we have this special service for our sister Noreen as we say farewell for a little time again. And as she goes back, to the land of Uganda to continue with the work that the Lord has called her to. Father, as we send her forth, we trust with the support and the prayers of the church, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God will be upon her, make her a mighty instrument in his hand. We pray, Lord, that we'll have a conscious sense of God's nearness this evening. Bless all who take part. Remember, especially the preaching of the word. We commit it now to thee. Give us a day to remember. Let the Lord come down. Make this, as we often pray, a high Sabbath. Make this a day to remember when God pours out the Spirit and blesses His people. Save souls. Lord, we do pray that sinners might be converted to Christ this day. Remember our mission starting next week. Special visitation of God in this area as the gospel is proclaimed. Gather in the people, Lord. We pray that 
that invitation that was given out all those weeks ago and even with the postponement of the mission will, will still be there in the minds and the hearts of the people and that they will come and that they will listen to the message of Christ and that they will be converted to thee. Lord, hear this our prayer and remember the, the needy of the church, the sick, the afflicted, the infirmed. We commit them in love into your care this day. Abide with us now and bless us together as we worship God and remember our Ukrainian friends and all their needs. We commit them in love to thee for Jesus' sake. Amen. Warm word of welcome uh, to the congregation today in the Savior's name and those that are tuning in on the internet. We're glad to have you. As soon as this service is over, we will be having the Lord's table. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you're walking with God the invitation is from the Savior himself, and he says this do in remembrance of me. You come and sit at his feet today and be blessed. The office bearers on this day when we have the Lord's table meet for a special season of prayer, and that's at 5.30 tonight before our regular church prayer meeting at 6.30. Tonight is the sending forth of our sister, Miss Noreen McAfee, going back to Uganda in the will of God on Tuesday. And the Reverend David McMillan will bring the word and other members of the mission board will take part. That was a little flyer that was sent out uh, by way of invitation to others to come along. You may have seen it. Refreshments will be served after tonight's meeting and I'm sure you'll want to stay and meet with Noring. We'll send her to the door just in case there'll be a few that will slip out, but there will be this time of fellowship together. Monday night is the session prayer meeting and our time together at 8 o'clock. Tuesday night, Tuesday through the day, rather, Noring returns to Uganda, pray for her. Wednesday, there's a special meeting. We're organizing some of these now on a more regular basis. It's the ladies' fellowship meeting, and the speaker is Emma Hamilton from Ballymena. The soloist is Olivia York from Porklandone, and refreshments will also be served. This meeting is for you, ladies, and we trust that you'll come. Thursday night is the midweek service. We will, because it is the, the night that we remember the school, pray for the school. But it is the one last night before the mission. We did have a week of prayer some time ago, but this Thursday night we will give emphasis again to praying for the mission that starts next Lord's Day. Youth Fellowship is 8 o'clock on Friday night. <clears throat> And it's also the presbytery meeting in Cross Gar on Friday night. Then we enter into a busy time because next Saturday begins the harvest weekend. It's an annual event. We look forward to it. Saturday is a 7.30 meeting. And the Reverend Simon Anderson will be the guest preacher. He was with us as the student assistant, as you know. And the Hebron Choir will be uh, singing. Hebron Choir will be singing tonight in the will of God as well. Uh, we've asked them to do that. Supper for Saturday night. If the ladies can bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, we will thank you for that, and we appreciate that. Now, the decoration of the church for the weekend will take place on Friday evening and Saturday morning, and those providing flowers, fruit, and vegetables, please bring them in on Thursday or on Friday so that the church can be decorated for the harvest. Next Lord's Day, the early season of prayers, 8 o'clock, Sunday school, 10.30, and the Bible class, 
quarter to 11. And Mervyn continues with the wonder of God's Word and next Lord's Day, the Bible's preservation. The harvest then continues. It'll be uh, just a second meeting of the harvest because of the mission, but the harvest continues at 12 noon. Dr. John Douglas preaching, Hebron choir singing. Then the mission begins 7 o'clock in the town hall. So don't come here. Uh, The doors will be closed. Uh, Come to the town hall and bring as many people with you as possible. The Hebron choir, we're looking forward to all this ministry from the choir tonight and next weekend. They'll be singing at the mission, the first night of the mission at seven. There will be times of prayer uh, half an hour beforehand, every service of the mission, so please remember that also. Thank you for your tithes and offerings to God's work. It's Let the Bible Speak and Missionary Covenant today, and next week is Building Fund. And that's appropriate, of course, with the Harvest Weekend. All the weekend offerings go towards the Building Fund. Once again, we congratulate Mervyn and Joy on becoming grandparents again. And we heard this week of Andrew and Rebecca having a little girl. And that's always good news. May the Lord bless them as a family. We remember the sick in prayer. Keep them before you as you pray for them day by day. We remember all the needs for Ukraine. We mentioned this last Lord's Day. We want to keep these things before you that you will remember the various aspects of what our folks are about and what they're involved in and the connections that they have and then others, of course, that we're praying for and they're doing a work. Ladies, I'm mentioning again one more time the ladies uh, that want to go to Dungannon for uh, the special conference meeting on the 24th of October. That's a Monday night. That's the Monday night after the mission is finished. You need to put your name on the sheet that is provided. The Ten Commandments are now displayed. I don't know whether you noticed that coming in this morning. Those that are noticeable people, they would have seen the Ten Commandments on the right-hand side as you come in, just on the left as you go out. And I want to thank Wesley for getting that erected. Can I also sincerely thank those who organized the church barbecue in the back to Sunday School Fun Evening last evening. The Lord was very good with the weather. If you were looking at it all week and you were thinking about Saturday, your faith might have faltered. But for those that kept up uh, believing that God can give us a dry afternoon, prayer was answered and they had a very good time. This was a very popular activity. And you can see that the children, they they lined up to have a go on the, the bull. And even some of the older ones they had a go, and uh, Philip there, he's struggling just a little bit. That must have been near the end of the ride. Your ride will always come to an end, and this is what happens at the end of the ride. And uh, Andrew's just saying farewell uh, to the bull. I want to thank those that did all the cooking. Uh, there's a lot of work done, as you can appreciate, and the serving of it as well. We are indebted to you, and we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We mentioned on Thursday night about the pallet being ready to go to Romania. It's out here. It's actually going to a new area. They have benefited before uh, because stuff was taken down to them, but it's actually a seven-hour drive, maybe eight-hour drive uh, down to where this pallet is going to go, and we'll be able to ship it there uh, this week, God willing. 
So thank you for coming in and doing the work. We did say if anyone would like to pay for a shoebox gift, they are £15, including the carriage. And we have received some gifts that allow us at this moment to send 10. So we're thankful to you for that. This is just one of the little girls receiving. And, uh, well, it's three years ago since we were able to do this and to go physically uh, to the land of Romania and give them out. But these children benefited, and uh, they'll benefit again, God willing. We mentioned little Florentina to you. Um, we got word this week she couldn't go to school because she didn't have shoes and she didn't have clothes. And some people have responded to that. They were asking me, what size are her shoes? I was able to find out they are size 38, and I think that corresponds to a size 5 in the UK. But thank you for those that have expressed an interest. We sing together 517. To the work, to the work, we are servants of God. Let us follow the path that our master has trod. With the balm of his counsel, our strength to renew. Let us do with our might what our hands find to do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And the inference is all thy might. And we certainly want to do it that way for the Lord. <clears throat> Let's rise to sing. <clears throat>
Can we turn in God's Word to the Gospel of Mark in the chapter 8? I'm going to read a few verses from the 22nd verse through to verse 26. The story of the Lord healing a blind man at Bethsaida. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, he put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And he, looking up, and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we thank you for the miracles of Christ. We thank you for the lessons that we learn And right now, the application that is very applicable for us as a church, as we stand on the threshold of our mission, we pray that you will speak to our hearts now, that you will grant power in the preaching, and grant, Lord, help in the pew to receive the Word. And we pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, always necessary. O God, come among us and do us good this day for Jesus' sake. Amen. Bringing blind men to Jesus, that's what I want to to preach on and use verse 22 as our text. And he, that is Jesus, cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. Our Savior enters into the, the city of Bethsaida, a town that was located near the River Jordan, in fact, where the Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee. It was a fishing port. It was the home of Philip, Andrew, and Peter. In this city, Christ met a group of people who bring their friend, a blind man, to him that he might touch him. Instead of performing the miracle there and then, without delay, Jesus led the blind man outside the city. Why he did that, we don't know for sure. Perhaps the Lord felt that Bethsaida was no longer worthy of such a mighty miracle being wrought within her gates. Inside her walls, wonderful miracles had been performed by Christ, but in vain. Miracle after miracle was witnessed. Wonder after wonder was seen. But the the inhabitants of the city remained hardened and impenitent. In Matthew 11, Jesus had upbraided and denounced those cities where most of his mighty miracles had been done. Let me just read to you what Matthew tells us in Matthew 11 and verse 21 onwards. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, this very city where the Lord has now come to. For if the mighty works 
which were done on you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at that day of judgment than for you. And thy Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. How privileged the people of Bethsaida really were. Christ coming so often. Christ preaching in their city. Christ performing all these mighty miracles. And yet we find so much was in vain. No more miracle would now be done within this unbelieving town. The cured man wasn't even allowed to go back to the city and tell the people. We read that in verse 26. But I commend the effort made by these people who were concerned for their blind friend, who dearly longed to see him delivered from that sad condition. And this got me thinking about the sad, blind condition of men around us today. Not of physical blindness, but something that is far worse. Indeed, a condition that is spiritual. And unless something is done about it, unless this matter is addressed, there are eternal consequences. I'm referring to those who are spiritually blind in their sin. Unless their eyes are open to see their need, they will die in that awful condition and they will be lost forever. And you can see, therefore, the importance of what I'm saying to you today and this message that I want to bring to you and to teach you. This message has a great importance for families. You're here today, you're, you're part of a family and maybe within that family, within your home, there is someone in this blind condition of sin and they don't know the Lord. And this message is important for those who have blind friends. You have those that you know and love and you spend time with and they know not Christ. They're still in darkness spiritually. It's very apt, therefore, I believe, on the threshold of our gospel mission to, to bring this message to your attention. And therefore, it's vital that you sit up and listen. Will you please... Give me your attention for these minutes now as we think about what is being taught in this verse of Scripture, verse 22. I want you to notice the location of the miracle. The blind man is brought to Jesus in the city of Bethsaida. Now, I have already pointed out to you that this was the original home of Philip and Andrew and Peter. I would not want to miss some kind of application here. Undoubtedly, these disciples were with the Lord on his journey when they returned home to this city. They have come to their home place where this miracle was done, albeit outside the city walls. Our hometown is the place where most of our work for the Savior ought to be done. Because this, as we've often emphasized, is our Jerusalem. It's where the ministry of any Christian begins, the place where you live. 
the people that you meet with on a day-to-day basis. There is a mission field right on your doorstep. Your family is your mission field. I want you to think about that. Right in your home, your loved ones who are without Christ, going down to the sides of a lost sinner's hell, that's your mission field first and foremost. And not only your family, but your your work colleague, somebody in your workplace, and they're a stranger to grace and to God. That's your mission field. Your next door neighbor, they live right beside you, and they're not saved. I wonder how often have you witnessed to them? How often have you, you given them the message of the gospel? How often have you presented them even with a gospel tract, with that prayer in your heart, Lord, speak to my neighbor? Because I'm a missionary living right next door to reach them with the gospel. Oh, I tell you, you better be living right before your neighbor. Your life better be telling for Christ and the example that you give and the influence that you're putting out there. Because that's your mission field where God has placed you. And then your school companion. Yes, your unconverted school companions, young people. You've got a mission field where God has placed you in that area of education. And my question to you, young people, is what do they see in you? What do they hear from you? And in what they see and what they hear, is it leading them to Christ? They're blind. They're without the Lord. They're in spiritual darkness. They're going to a Christless eternity. What are you doing to win them for the Savior? And then we think of round about our town, our Jerusalem here, the Glebe side. What a mission field that is. Karnani, the Gary Duff Road, all those housing areas up around that area, right throughout the town, you can, you can choose anywhere. And then we think of the little hamlets that are round about the, the town of Balamani. Do you see, just where you are, that is your mission field. I want you to sense and feel that right now not just because a gospel mission is coming, but because balimony is your first obligation. Before you can go to Judea, which we might think to be the rest of Northern Ireland, or go on then to Samaria, which is the south of Ireland, or as the Scripture goes on to say, the other parts of the world, the uttermost part of the world. Before you can go there, you need to be the missionary right here. And if you don't, and we, we tell young people this who, who say, I would like to be a missionary, I'd like to go to another land, unless you prove yourself as a missionary here, you will never be anything for God anywhere else. Unless you're living for God on your doorstep, don't you think that somehow you're going to live for God somewhere else? God has made you a missionary at home. Wasn't this the first place that Legion was directed to go to? by Christ, having received such a mercy from the Savior. And it was a mercy. This man that, whose body had been inhabited by a multiplicity of demons, a man that was demented, a man that was completely out of his mind, a man that had forsaken his home to live among the tombs, among the graves. He meets Christ. He's delivered. He's brought to sit at the feet of Christ. And having been a recipient of such mercy. And the Lord is now departing. 
He gets into a ship on the shores of that area of Gadara and, he, and he's saying farewell. This man wanted to go with the Lord. You understand that, don't you? If you had received such a mercy like that, you'd want to just be with the Lord. And he prayed and we're told, prayed him that he might be with him. Read that back in Mark chapter 5 and verse 18. I understand that. But what did Jesus say to him? Jesus says, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And that's where Andrew began. Andrew, from the city of Bethsaida, that's where he began his ministry. That's where he began his missionary work. How do I know that? Because of what John tells us. John tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 41 that as soon as Andrew found the Lord Jesus as his Savior, he became a missionary at home to his brother, Simon Peter. John 1 verse 41, he first findeth. That's number one. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah's which is being interpreted the Christ. He began his ministry at home with his brother. And we're told in the next verse that he brought him to Jesus. Now that's the ultimate aim. As we are brought to Christ, we receive the mercy of God in Christ. We are saved ourselves. We begin our missionary work right at home, right here if, if it's necessary, in our family with those that don't know Christ. And our ultimate aim is to do what Andrew did with Peter, brought him to Christ, brought him to the Lord. Isn't this what Philip did? Philip brought his friend to Christ. It's the same chapter that, that tells us about this. He said, we have found him. Having found Christ himself, Philip now goes to his friend Nathaniel and he says, we've found him. You know the one that the Bible speaks about? The Old Testament had prophesied, prophesied about the Messiah. We have found him. And Nathaniel meets Christ. And he is wonderfully converted. Surely you have some family member or you have some friend that you must go to with the message of Christ and tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Did you know that Bethsaida was known as the fisher's town. We know that Peter and Andrew and likely Philip were all fishermen. That was their business before the Lord called them. Do you remember the nature of their call when the Lord walked by and called them from the, the fishing boats and from the nets and from that employment? Do you remember the formula, if you can put it that way, Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. To catch men for Christ. To bring men to the Savior. Wouldn't it be lovely if Balamoni became known as the fisher's town in the spiritual sense? Oh, I know it's called cow town, all right? And, and you know why. This is a farming community, and the cows used to come to the town. It's very much part of the fabric of what, what we are 
in our history and Market Street out here <clears throat> got his name for obvious reasons. And that's because it was a market down the road. And that's where the cattle were sold. And it's no longer there, but we're still market town because that existed for years. And when I came to Balamoni, I, I remember the, the market being there. And I remember, especially on a Saturday morning, whenever the, the market was, was opening very early and the, the farmers wanted to queue up and get in first. And so maybe from three o'clock in the morning, all you could hear was the mooing of the cows. And that always disturbed me terribly. And there's a story about that. Especially if I had come home late from presbytery on a Friday night and I was getting into bed at one or two in the morning and then this all started because they were queued right back, right back outside our house. But we're, we're thankful that the Lord closed the market in that sense and, and it delivered me uh, from a sleepless night on a Friday night, Saturday morning. But I would like cow town to become the fisher's town in this spiritual sense. That this place will be known as a place where, where men are sought after. That this congregation will be a congregation where, where we see men brought to Christ. They'll be go out and do what the Lord told these fishermen to do. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And that we will cast out the gospel net. And that we will draw it ashore. And that we will do all that we can under God to throw out the lifeline and the sea of precious souls for the glory of Almighty God. I want you to notice, secondly, the condition of the man. The man is blind. He couldn't see. He lived in a world of darkness that I can't fully understand, really, unless I, I close my eyes and I don't like to close my eyes for very long, not, not even when I go to sleep, but um, that's about the nearest you and I can get to that. And I don't think you'll, you'll walk about for a whole day with your eyes closed, but I don't think we fully understand that. But blindness was and is more common in Eastern countries, in countries like Egypt and Syria, than any other part of the world. The glare of the light, the dust, that is produced in the dry season, and I'm told also the fruit of the newly ripe fig, all tended to produce inflammation of the eyes, and often that led to blindness, an awful condition. Maybe it's only those that are blind can really appreciate the state of this man and understand his condition. Blindness has ever been a symbol of, of unconverted men. They cannot see. This is their condition by nature. They cannot see their true condition before a holy God. They cannot see the offensiveness of sin. They cannot see the, the beauty that there is in Christ to attract them to the Savior. They cannot see the, the terror of the Lord or understand when we read in the Bible, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. They don't understand that. And they cannot see the danger that they're in. That they're going down, down, down to a Christless eternity to spend forever in hell. They can't see that. I believe if they could see that, they would try to do something about it. And they can't see the way to heaven. That Jesus is the only way. And those that, that do have some kind of religious knowledge and spiritual knowledge, sometimes they think, well, I'm the way. And I... Uh, go to my church and I do the best that I can and, and that's the way. Why? Because they're blind. 
they cannot see. Oh, the blindness of this dark world. And men can go merrily along in that state every day without much thought. And the devil is quite happy for souls to remain blind, and he will do what he can to keep them that way. Satan labors tirelessly to keep men in this state of blindness. Now what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, with reference to the devil, he says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in. Jesus talked about blind leaders of the blind, and that was a reference again to the spiritual condition of man. They couldn't see. Paul uses this kind of language to describe sinners when he wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4 and verse 18, having the understanding darkened. And he refers to the blindness of their heart. Why should sinners seek out Christ? Why should they attend? Why should they come to church on the Sabbath day? Why, why would they listen to our testimony when we seek to give it to them? Why, why should they come to a gospel service or to a gospel mission as we're having? Because they're blind. They can't see. It's not until the grace of God begins to, to awaken them that they can be brought to see clearly their need. Christ, by His Spirit, is the eye-opener. He came to give sight to the blind. He entered into the synagogue at the beginning of His ministry in the little village of Nazareth where He had been brought up. You remember, He took the Word of God and He opened it at the prophecy of Isaiah, and He began to read words that were prophetic of Him. And one of the things that He told the people that day as he said, this is me. This is what the Scripture says of me. This day the Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He said that he had come to bring men out of darkness, to open the eyes of the blind. The more we preach Christ, who is the light of the world, and we present the glorious gospel light to sinners out there, then the greater is the possibility of bringing them out of darkness. It is the light of the glorious gospel that Satan seeks to obliterate in the minds of men, as we read or quoted to you in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. The man is blind. Look at the occupation of his friends. Note carefully what our text is saying. It says, they bring... And that's what I'm emphasizing now. They bring a blind man unto him. I want you to notice the word bring. That's what these men did. And you should notice the word bring or brought in the gospel records because it's telling us very clearly and simply what other people did. Let me just give you a few from the, the gospel before us. Mark chapter 1 and verse 32 at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him, unto Jesus, all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. Chapter 2, verse 3, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. Chapter 7 and verse 32. 
and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and beseech him to put his hand upon him. Chapter 8 and verse 22 is our text. Chapter 9 and verse 17. In fact, in this story that we read here, there's a number of the references. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son. In verse 19, he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him. Now the Lord is saying, bring him unto me. And the next verse, they brought him unto him, unto Jesus, that is. One other reference in chapter 10, verse 13. What a beautiful reference it is. And they brought young children to him. Not a lovely scene, and we think about it often. We know that that's a ministry that Noreen's engaged in. And some of the folks here in the church and the youth fellowship, we, we had a, a great foretaste of, of what that is, or a great taste of what that was. And we went in 2019, and, and there were children that were brought to Christ. That's what we must do with blind sinners. Bring them to Christ. And how do we do that? He's not any longer here on the earth physically, that we could physically bring our blind, unconverted friends to the presence of Christ. How do we, how do we bring, as the people here that we've read about, brought their friends to Christ? Well, we bring them to Christ by our witness. By speaking to others about the Lord. And when you speak to others about the Lord and you tell them the gospel message and you give your own testimony, in a very real sense, you're bringing them to Christ. You're presenting Christ to them as he's freely offering the gospel. You bring them by your, your invitations, by bringing them to church where they can sit and listen to the gospel that is proclaimed, to the gospel mission as it will be held in the town hall for a couple of weeks. You bring them by your pleading. When was the last time that you pleaded with a soul to get reconciled to God? Where you felt in your heart the urgency of bringing that individual to a saving knowledge of Christ, knowing their destiny, knowing where they were heading for eternity. And my, your heart was broken and you went and you pleaded with them to turn to Christ. And you bring them by your, your praying by your intercessions, as we will see just in a moment. Are you bringing others to Christ? Are you faithful in your witness? Are you godly in your example? Are you fervent and enthusiastic in your invitations? And if the answer to that is no, can I ask you, will you be? In light of what God is saying here, and I believe teaching and the application of this message, will you be, from this day onward as a Christian, be engaged in bringing others to Christ? Will you bring them to the Savior by bringing them to the mission where they will hear the Word of God? And then I have one final thought. It's the supplication of the friends. And we notice the, the little phrase here, besought him. Very interesting from an English point of view in our verse, everything that we've looked at in the verse begins with B. I'm sure you have noticed that yourself. They come to Bethsaida. They bring 
a blind man unto him and besought him. So it's going to be easy to, to remember as you think of that little alliteration that's right there in the text. But here, here's the praying. They don't just bring their friend to Christ, but they bring him with desire. Do you see that? They bring him with, with supplication. Now, the word beseeching shows the burden of these men. Their desire is very simple. They besought him to touch him. And you know what they were looking for. They wanted their friend to have his eyes open so that he could see. And that demonstrates to me compassion. These men were compassionate. It demonstrates to me determination as they bring their friend to Christ that he might be healed. It also demonstrates conviction. There was faith in the hearts of these people to believe that when they brought their friend to Christ that the Lord would do something. And I think it demonstrates expectation. They were expecting the Lord to do something. And this is the way to pray. You want to pray with compassion. You want to pray with determination. You want to pray with conviction, believing that the Lord is able to do what you're asking. And you want to pray with expectation, looking for the outcome, looking for the answer. Can I stress again the importance of prayer? As you, with burdened heart and soul, feeling deeply the awful condition of your loved one and your friend, your neighbor too, you bring them to Christ with your witness it must be accompanied by your prayerful supplications. You must beseech Christ. Pray that God will remove the blindness. Pray that God will shine in the light of the glorious gospel. Pray that the Lord will make them receptive to the Savior. Pray that God will give them courage and grace to forsake their sin. Pray that God would grant them true faith to receive the Savior. Pray for the defeat of the devil, for the overthrow of his power and influence, that his bonds will be broken and his fetters shattered. May God bring us to our knees in these days in earnest supplications. In the closet, that's the secret place at home where you pray, and in the public gatherings at the prayer meetings of the church, let not your seat be empty. Don't you worry about the other Christian. You just make sure that your seat's not empty, that you're there, that you're in the prayer meeting. And be faithful in your intercessions for your friends and for your family. May God pour the spirit of prayer and supplication upon this church, especially in these days. Paul, the great soul winner, the great evangelist, the great missionary, and church planter, he declared my heart's desire and prayer unto God for Israel is that they might be saved. He had that desire, but he made it a prayer. He besought the Lord. His deep burden, as we know, was for his kinsmen, according to the flesh. I see people that are related to Paul here. I see others that are more loosely connected to him in the Jewish nation, but that's who he was first and foremost concerned for, as Romans 9 and 3 tells us. A burden 
that he described in that chapter is great heaviness and continual sorrow in his heart. And what did it do? It drove him to prayer. Perhaps not until you sense and feel something of that burden will you become the man or the woman of prayer that you ought to be. Not until that weighs you down with great heaviness and with continual sorrow will you come to pray the way you ought. When you reach that place of concern and burden for your kinsmen, there's only one thing that you can do, and that's to bring them to Christ by your beseeching. Do not be wed in the balances and be found wanting, especially at this mission time. May the Lord touch our hearts burden our souls. Give us that desire that these people had to bring their blind friend to Christ. And may we bring the blind around us in our homes, in our community, to the Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just commit ourselves to Thee in the Word. We want to be engaged in this most important business of reaching others for Christ, becoming fishers of men. Make this town to be known as the, the, the fisher's town, where God's people are engaged in fishing for souls. And may we bring the blind around us to the Savior. And Lord, may many, many come to know him in these days. Bless the mission as it commences next Lord's day. Visit us, Lord, night by night with the power of God. Bring in the unconverted. Help us to play our part in that and save them for the glory of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. might be appropriate to sing the hymn 669, Bring the Wandering Ones to Jesus. Hark, tis the shepherd's voice I hear, out in the desert dark and drear, calling the lambs who have gone astray, far from the shepherd's fold away. May the Lord help us to bring them in from the fields of sin, and bring the wandering ones to Jesus. Let's rise to sing.
may be seated. Take the little text home with you in your heart. They bring a blind man unto him. And I say to you, go and do thou likewise. May the Lord help us for the Savior's sake. We'll be gathering now for the Lord's table. If you're not staying for the Lord's table, you can feel at liberty to leave. Our sisters will play uh, a little bit uh, to allow you to leave the service. If everybody else can sit every other row, so it helps with the distribution of the emblems of the Lord's table. But thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. Thank you. <laughs> 